Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series, especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. I'm Rachel Williams and I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, the peak industry body for the tourism industry in this beautiful state of Tasmania. So if you're a regular listener to Talking Tourism, welcome back. And if you're a first-time listener and enjoy today's episodes, you can uh, look back on more than 100 episodes of Talking Tourism Conversations, which are available from wherever you access your podcasts. Or you can simply stream them on the TICT website. Today, we are recording this podcast on the lands of the Palawa and Pakana, and TICT offers its respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people, their elders past and present, for their enduring care and management of these islands. And today's episode is brought to you by our partner, Business Events Tasmania. BET is a specialist bidding organisation responsible for marketing Tasmania as a business event destination. For over 30 years, BET has taken a lead role in promoting Tasmania to national and international associations, corporate organisations and event planners. So a big thank you to Business Events Tasmania for their generous support of TICT and for helping to make this episode of Talking Tourism Possible. So let's get into today's conversation. Who am I chatting with today? It is Rob Cameron, an advisor at Collins SBA. Rob's an experienced business manager, strategist and coach. He provides business advisory services through Collins SBA on performance improvement, turnaround of underperforming businesses and succession planning. Rob has worked with many business owners to help them craft a business succession plan that works their individual situation and has assisted on numerous business exits that have achieved great financial results and personal satisfaction for clients. So a big um, wrap there for Rob. Welcome to Talking Tourism. Thanks, Rachel. I understand this isn't your first dance on Talking Tourism. Uh, No, we've done a few of these now, so I think I'm up to number three. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming back. Today we're going to talk a little bit about that succession planning and possible sale of your business or or what the succession side of thing is going to be. So I suppose um, succession planning to you, there might be a a few ways of of how you explain it to people. Give me the easiest uh, option. (laughs) I guess it's really about a business owner moving on from their business um, in a way that achieves their personal goals. And I guess that includes the financial outcomes, but also from a lifestyle perspective, um, that really that succession event of leaving the business or passing it on happens on the business owner's terms is probably the most important part of it. Preparation is paramount and if you've prepared, things happen in a much more smooth and seamless way. I bet you've seen some interesting situations where people haven't had that fortitude to be prepared. Yeah, and look, I guess what the statistics tell us is I think it's around 55% of business exits happen on terms that the business owner hasn't fully prepared for. I mean, the obvious and, and most distressing one is if a business owner dies, but it does it does occasionally happen that way. But there can be all sorts of other things that happen, you know, divorce, debt uh, gets too much of a hold of a business. Um, there might be partnership disputes. So all, all sorts of reasons can cause people to leave their business on terms that you might say are, you know, unplanned and unfavourable for the business owner. So if you can set yourself up 
to first of all give yourself as much control as you can around how an exit event is going to happen and give yourself as much preparation time as you can. You greatly improve the odds that you're going to exit on your terms. Yep. So what are some of the key considerations that you uh, look for and suggest to the clients that you work with around business sale and succession? Well, look, it's a it's a process. So yeah, I guess thinking about it with um, six months to go is going to be the best way you're going to make mistakes. So I guess I talk about having a good preparation process. An important part of a successful exit is having a profitable business. So there's obviously the the profit side. Another important aspect is the management of risk. And sometimes that gets overlooked, particularly in small to medium-sized businesses. Um, There's often more of an emphasis around growth and profitability, which is all great. But the flip side of the equation is, well, how risky is this business um, and how easy is it to sell? And, you know, I guess one of the things I say to a lot of business owners who are looking at exiting and maximising the value that they can create is often thinking through who you're going to sell to and how, in terms of what form that sale is going to take, will be a bigger determinant on the value you're going to get as opposed to just looking at profitability. So to sell or not to sell, that's the question at the moment. What's the current business market doing given we've seen these exponential growths in um, the real estate market around the state as a whole Mm. from a residential perspective, commercially and and that business proposition? Where where are things at? Look, I guess uh, purely from a personal viewpoint in terms of the businesses that I'm working with and looking at, and obviously for, for this podcast, I'll take a tourism slant to it. I'm seeing most business owners who are considering exiting probably holding on at this point. So I'm working with, I guess there's probably three or four in the tourism industry specifically who are looking at exiting at some stage over the next few years. In terms of their decision making, their personal circumstances and what they're trying to achieve financially, Um, most of them have made the call that they're going to wait a few more years before looking at at an exit event, which obviously gives them plenty of time to put lots of sensible things in place around how they set themselves up for sale in terms of structuring, in terms of maximising their their profit and the value uh, that they're going to get from that business. So what are some of the internal and external factors that are critical to being able to maximise the value that can be extracted from a business sale? For those uh, lucky attendees of today's tourism conference, they would have seen me go through 21 steps that we talk about when we're preparing for an exit event. So I'm not going to labour on all 21 of those steps. Are some more important than others? <laughs> there, there are some <laughs> that are more important than others. So I guess if I talk about it at a very high level, the first thing that we that we do is identify, well, what is the value of this business today? So we do a business valuation and a business analysis and get an understanding, well, what's today's situation? The second thing we look at is how do we protect that 
value and de-risk the business. So that can sound a little counterintuitive in the sense that, hey, I just want to sell this thing and get out of it. But often you will find, well, first of all, realistically, we may not sell this thing for 12 months. So we don't want to be carrying all this risk for another 12 months and see it all fall over and all that hard work go out the door. Um, So de-risking is really important. Thirdly, we look at maximising the value in a business. And really that's around, you know, I touched on before looking at at who we're going to sell to and how we're going to sell and looking at all sorts of good business practices around whether it be sales and marketing or management succession. Um, occasionally we look at employees buying in. There's all sorts of ways we can, we can maximise the value that a business owner might get from a sale event. Then there's the actual sale event itself. And like I say, knowing who we're going to sell to and how we're going to sell can often be a really important driver of value. And the last step is then what are you doing with your life after the business and making sure we've got proper things in place so that you don't suddenly find yourself um, with nothing to do. So um, I guess another important part is if you've had an exit event and all of a sudden you've um, been able to generate some capital, making sure you've got proper plans in place to, to manage that money for your retirement if that's the plan. Yep. So a lot of tourism businesses are inherently small, family-owned, um, mm. smaller businesses where I assume that someone set it up and has expectations that the lineage of children are going to follow through and, and move into that. Obviously, yep. that's a bit like, like farming, really. It's always not often the case yep. uh, that the child wants to go off and, and do other things. So how important is that discussion from a family tourism business perspective around, okay, this is when when do we need to start this discussion and not make assumptions and, and how do you go about doing that in a calm and considered manner yes. <laughs> without emotions playing a role? Yeah. Um, And look, I've been involved in a couple of family businesses over the last few years where we've had to manage these exact discussions. I think the important thing is that, first of all, um, if you're looking to pass on to your children, is that actually what they want to do? Now, In some situations, they may already be working in the business, um, but whether or not they want to stay there is is something that we really need to tease out in a very, um, I guess, a very considered way and make sure this is the best option available for every everybody. There's no point passing on to kids who don't want to have the business. It's gonna it's gonna upset everyone at some point. So uh, that that I guess is the first conversation. And the second one, if if we get that first bit agreed that yes, this is what they want, it's then working out, well, how might this work? Is this going to be something where the kids are expected to take on a big business loan and and buy the business or is it going to be um, passed on to them? And if so, what are all the tax ramifications and what are the expectations of the parents in terms of, um, I guess, financially, are they hoping to get anything out of this or, or nothing? And thirdly, you know, are we structured in an appropriate way to see that go through? And I guess the what I found from a purely emotional point of view is that the earlier we can have these discussions, 
conversations while everyone are, are friendly and before there is any pressure for anyone to make a decision, the easier those conversations are to have. And if we find that we have to make different decisions than, you know, either the, the parents or the children perhaps initially were expecting, then we've got plenty of time to transition to a different plan. So. And so if they decide to, to sell up shop and, and hand it on to someone new, totally independent, I'm assuming, um, especially again with tourism businesses, they're, yes, about the place and the product, but they're predominantly about the people that it's make the them people, really. what they are. So there's yeah. how do you work out the value of that component when you're factoring that into a sale price of a business? How do you value the people, the, the, the person the that's people. actually the heart and soul of a business that, you know, yeah. makes the restaurant the place to be or, or what have you? Because yeah. you often see businesses sell and the new owners under new management, sometimes yeah. it doesn't work. How, how do yeah. the people selling the business who have put in those blood, sweat and tears, how do they, how do you, I suppose, quantify Mm. that dollar value, how do you put it on the people as yeah. opposed to, you know, the place and the product? So I guess I've probably got bad news for businesses that are highly dependent on one or two individuals. And the bad news is that your business is going to be harder to sell and it's probably going to have a lower value than businesses that are not highly dependent on people. So I guess the first thing I would look at if I... Uh, was working with a business owner where the business was very heavily dependent on the owner is how do we reduce that reliance? So if we can, and look, there's a lot of different ways we can go about doing that. Um, but if we can reduce the reliance on the owner, all of a sudden a new uh, buyer who's looking at this business will suddenly see less risk uh, they will see uh, more potential value. So the less risk, more value. And if it's heavily dependent on people, we've got a lot of risk. And so how? what advice do you go in and, and actually at the nitty-gritty level give to them about, you know, transitioning that? Mm. So I guess at a nitty-gritty level, and, and I'm thinking in a situation where an owner may be critical to the customer experience, it's really about breaking down what are those things that you do that create that customer experience and how can we set this business up so that other people can do either some or part of that role that you're playing? And bit by bit, we can transfer, I guess, that responsibility that's sitting with the owner onto the team members until we get to a point where the business can still do all the great stuff it does without the business owner having to do every little bit of the process. So obviously that you know, number one, takes time. Secondly, it can take money and you may have to invest more into training, more into wages. So I guess it's all about working out, is that trade-off the right thing for your business? Sometimes it's difficult to do if a business is very small. So we may need to look, if we want to achieve certain outcomes for the owner when they sell, we may need to look at what are our options to scale this business up, either by growing sales, putting on more staff, possibly acquiring another business and, and creating scale. So sometimes that's an appropriate strategy to look at, which seems a bit counterintuitive because you, you're investing more into the business uh, to try and 
get out of it, the business. But um, got to spend money to make money, don't they say? Sometimes you do. Sometimes <laughs> you do. Yeah. So we said it right from the outset. Don't leave this process to six months before D Day is looming. Correct. Is there an optimal time that people should have in the back of their mind for the? preparation and the planning that goes on with, you know, a successional sale like this? Yeah, look, it's obviously very dependent on the business and the circumstance, but as a rule of thumb, I would say at least 18 to 24 months. Any less than that, and you're probably going to be rushing things and you're probably not going to get the optimal outcome. Now, obviously, there's going to be situations where you've just got to get out for whatever reason. Okay, that's fine. You've got to do what you've got to do, but you, you probably probably not going to be able to exit on all the terms that you would like to. Yep. And you mentioned before about a lot of businesses that you're currently looking at selling or looking to sell into the future that they're hanging on at the moment. What is yeah. what are you seeing in the foreseeable future? Like get out your crystal ball for me, please, and rub it and tell me what's exactly happening and what's going to happen, please. <laughs> Okay. Well, first of all, the uh, next Melbourne Cup winner is going to be... Oh, I'll keep that one for myself. Um, Look, uh, I guess some of the factors that are going into the decision-making is, first of all, the fact that COVID has had such an impact on profitability numbers. Now, we can we can try and dress those numbers up and we can explain away the impact that COVID's had. But I guess uh, just purely in terms of presenting the numbers and the profits that businesses have been generating, they're obviously down. Um, so that's probably the first factor. The second factor is I guess what I'm sensing is uh, there's a bit of optimism over the next few years, which I think is a great thing. So I, I think the business owners I'm working with are thinking, look, in the next couple of years, if we do what we think we can do, there should be some pretty good numbers coming through, which is going to certainly help how things are looking in terms of being able to present our financials to a potential business owner, uh, sorry, business purchaser. Um, the third factor is just a sense that, look, the further we can get COVID behind us, potentially the more confidence there is in the market, um, more buyers may come out, more options may open up. Now, obviously, uh, you know, again, that's a bit of crystal ball gazing. We don't know what's going to come up next. But yes. I think those factors are all causing people to go, well, look, we might just hold on a, a couple more years and then look at what this exit's going to do. And I, I guess the final thing is there's also that sense that that also gives us a bit more time to reduce the reliance of the business on the owner. That gives us a bit more time to just tighten up that sales and marketing process, which will um, make a prospective purchaser a little bit more confident about buying into this business and, you know, remove a couple of other risks that may be sort of sitting on their dashboard that if they can get rid of, again, a a potential purchaser may find this business a bit more attractive. So they're they're the general themes. I guess that I'm talking to clients about. And what about the on the if you flip the coin and look at the people who are going to be buying the businesses? Mm. Are they worried in, about interest rates and inflation and all those sorts of things that you hear on the news every day? Yeah, look, it's a good question. And again, I'm I'm answering this from a limited perspective in terms of the business owners that I'm working with. But typically, the business 
purchases will be looking for rates of return on an investment of, it could be anywhere sort of 20 to 30% to, to purchase a private business. On those sort of numbers, whether interest rates are at 4% or 5% or 6%, it's probably not going to be a huge determinant as to whether or not you go ahead with this deal. You're going to be looking at all sorts of other factors. Um, the I guess the caveat I'd put on that statement is if you're looking to buy uh, property, because typically if you're buying property, you're looking at um, much tighter rates of return and therefore interest rates will make up a larger proportion um, of the the profitability that you might get from that asset. So that's probably um, one point of difference. Now, having said that, I guess the flow-on effects from things like interest rates and inflation could be reduced consumer demand for things like travel and tourism. So that is probably, I guess, more specifically where I see business buyers looking as opposed to interest rates themselves. So I hope that helps. Yeah, no, it does. And is Tassie a good value proposition um, for buying a business? We we know it is, and they say it from the residential perspective, you know, they're selling their multi trillion dollar homes on the mainland and coming down here and can't believe the amount of uh, value they're getting. Is that the same Mm. from from a business perspective of an actual business as opposed to the bricks and mortar? Um, They're very different markets. So I wouldn't say the two things are related. Um, Again, from my personal perspective, I absolutely see some good purchases for business owners who are looking to purchase uh, tourism businesses in Tasmania. We've got some fantastic assets down here. I guess the important thing is that those business owners who are sitting on some good business assets uh, perhaps recognise the value of the asset they've got um, and put in place a couple of those things that are really going to help them be able to sell that business and realise that value. And a big one that I talk about is just the reliance on the owner. So that that's often a mistake I see. Um, if the business is too reliant on the owner, you're really going to struggle to sell it. And if you do, you're probably not going to get the value that you potentially could. So a couple of quick takeaways. Um, obviously, being prepared would be your number number one tip to leave us with today? I think so. I think that's that's a massive one. Um, again, if, if you have to get out of your business quickly, chances are it's not going to be on your terms. So the more you can prepare and, you know, really the time to prepare is the time that you've first start or buy your business. Um, the earlier you can start thinking about this stuff, the better. Probably the most successful exits I've witnessed are where business owners have gone in with a clear plan before they've even got into business as to what the exit plan is going to look like. And uh, that gives yourself the best chance. Yeah, fair enough. Well, look, we now need to turn our attention to the very important Big Seven. Oh, the Big Seven. So not your Big 21 that you spoke about (laughs) a minute ago, the Big Seven. And I feel like if you've already done this uh, interview on different topics three times that I'm hoping you're not going to give me the same answers. No, I don't think I had the Big Seven last time. New initiative of the TICT. Uh, Okay, so be prepared. So people are going to judge you on your commentary on this more than what they've done in the preceding 20 minutes, I'm okay? Sure. So, are you ready? Favourite spot in Tassie and why? Can I say two? Oh, everyone says that, <laughs> yes, okay. 
Oh, look, I've got a bit of an emotional tie to Falmouth on the east coast of Tasmania. I love uh, spending time there. Um, but I also really got a special place for Cozy Corner up around the Bay of Fires and I couldn't, I couldn't decide. Can't so both of those, yeah. Fair enough. Okay, favourite travel destination anywhere in the world? Oh, and again, you're going to make me pick one, aren't you? Well, preferably. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll say uh, Peru. Peru. Had a brilliant time there, yeah. Paddington Bear. No, no, I don't know. I actually just made that up. <laughs> I didn't see Paddington Bear there, but if, if you say so. Deepest, darkest Peru. That's where he comes from. Oh, Sorry, you can you tell I've got a couple of young kids at home. <laughs> you? um, okay, someone coming to Tasmania for the very first time in their lives asks you, what's the one thing they absolutely must experience while they're here? What do you tell them? Oh, look, I suppose whenever I have visitors uh come and stay with me. I'm always a big one for getting up Mount Wellington and just soaking it all in up there. It's just an awesome On a clear experience. day, it's pretty oh, spectacular, beautiful. isn't it? yeah. Absolutely. Um, walking the Overland Track for five days with three other people, anyone in the world, famous, not so famous, living or dead, mm. who are you choosing and why? Mm. Remember, it's for five days. Yeah, that's right. Um, look, I'd I, be in trouble if the first two weren't my daughters, uh, Abby and Alice, which I know might be a bit boring for everyone else, but that's uh, pretty important to me. Um, and the other one I was thinking would be quite good fun would be someone like Robin Williams or a good <laughs> comedian just to uh, yeah. keep, keep things upbeat. Keep and things keep, light at those challenging keep, moments. <laughs> that's right. Keep my kids entertained while they're whinging about walking so far. Yeah, it's quite a distance, trust yeah. me. Um, okay, you're road tripping around Tasmania. What are you listening to in the car? I'm assuming it's something your daughters have chosen. Uh, possibly, <laughs> uh, and it's not talking tourism podcast. Is that what you're saying? Or well, well, apart that, from that, that of course, you would have obviously it? been listening to those. Oh, yes. I'd probably be listening to some sort of Spotify mix. I think last time I did it, uh, I was listening to Parafacuva was actually the playlist. So I was okay, looking at have to check that one yeah, out. That's highly recommend. Okay, uh, that w- that will be something that people will judge you on. <laughs> okay. um, when you arrive at your destination, what's your tipple of choice? Oh, this was such a tough one. I got so many I could say, but um, I had a Springvale Pinot the other day, which was sensational. So I'm going to choose that one. You're an East Coast man, aren't you? Well, I, I was then. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, the last big one: the big debate: curried Tasmanian scallops, a culinary delight or a culinary crime? A delight, easy. Delight. Beautiful. Well, you've been a delight. Thank you so much. We've delved through lots of important information for business owners who perhaps sometimes just, you know, put that to the too hard basket and leave it till it's too late. So really insightful. Thank you for that, Rob. Uh, Thank you all for listening to today's episode of Talking Tourism. And do remember to subscribe to hear more episodes as we do release them every two weeks or so. And also remember to tell a friend or tourism colleague to check them out so that we can get everyone listening to all these interesting facts and figures. Talking Tourism is an initiative of the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania and today's episode was brought to you with the support of our partner, Business Events Tasmania. A big thanks also to Caleb Miller at Mac40, our audio specialist who produces these episodes and lovingly works on them behind the scenes. So thank you, Caleb. I'm Rachel Williams and I've been your host today. Thank you so much for your time. We'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Thank you.